before you this morning, this time of the service, we ask for utterance to be given. We pray the eyes of the understanding would be flooded with light, that our hearts would be strengthened. Lord, I pray that you would use me as a vessel to exhort, to comfort, and to edify these people today. May the word of the Lord lodge deep within our spirits, and may we be even more firmly rooted and grounded and established in the faith, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So we give you thanks ahead of time. We magnify the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let us lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting, giving thanks to his name with the fruit of our lips, declaring what he has said. Hallelujah. The Lord is our helper. The Lord is our strength. The Lord is our light. He is our salvation. You are our deliverance. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master, that every organ, that every tissue of our bodies function in the perfection to which you've created it to function. Thank you, Lord, that you woke us up this morning. Thank you, Lord, for coffee in our cup. Thank you, Lord, for bread in our toaster. Thank you, Lord, for water to shower with. Thank you, Lord, for shaving cream to shave with. Oh, glory to God. We're a thankful people. We're a grateful people today. Woo! Somebody shout amen. Amen and amen. Well, you may be seated. Praise God. Y'all ready to receive? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. We're going to look at the New Century Version today. We're asking this question in this series, who are you? Well, from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, it says, You know that in the past you lived in a worthless way and passed down from the people who lived before you. But you were saved from that useless life. Thank God we're no longer useless and we're no longer worthless. Amen. Now, if you have not discovered your purpose for being alive, I think you ought to get about it. You ought to get about serving the Lord. You ought to be a doer of the Word of God. Amen? You do not want to hear at the end of your life, well, or undone. You want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord our God. But you were saved from that useless life. You were bought not with something that ruins like gold or silver. You know, they say diamonds forever, but you know they're not. I mean, everything around us. Somebody says, do you believe in global warming? I take it a step further. (laughs) Amen. I believe in global melting. I mean, everything around us is going to melt. It's just going to, your stuff is just going to be a pile of ashes. So we don't live for our stuff. We don't live for our clothes. We don't live for our cars. We don't live for our jewelry. We live for him. Because it's in him we live. In Him we move, and in Him we have our being. Amen? Is that you? I thought so. But you were bought with the precious blood of Christ, who was like a pure and perfect lamb. So I'm going to make this statement again. You're going to hear it several times throughout this little series. If your identity is based on anything that you can lose. It is based on the wrong thing. 
It makes you vulnerable because when it's gone, who are you? We looked at Matthew chapter 7 last week, and let's look at it again. We are to build our life on the unchanging rock, who is Jesus, who is the Word of the living God. So that when the storms come and the floods arise, trying to take us out and try to put us under, because we hear the sayings of Jesus and we do the sayings of Jesus, we will not be moved. Because we're founded upon a rock. Amen? So that's what it says in Matthew chapter 7. But it says, if your life is built on the sand. How many of you know sand is okay till the storm comes? And a lot of people are like, well, I'm, I'm doing okay. Should we call you Sandy? If you're not hearing the word, you're not doing the word, we'll just start calling you Sandy. And everything may be just I ate for a while. But I'm telling you, when the storm hits and the crisis of life comes, you don't want to build your life on the sand. You don't want to just be perched up in church hearing the word. You want to be a hearer. I'm preaching good today. And you want to be a doer of God's word. Now, if that's too much for you, I'm not sorry. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. One of the greatest fears that people face in this life is the fear of loss. You will find out that the fear of loss is attached really to the fear of death. People are afraid to fly. Why? Well, they're not afraid of airplanes. They're afraid of crashing and dying. People, you know, are afraid of spiders. Why? Because they're afraid of getting bit and dying. But in Hebrews chapter 2, and I want us to look at these verses, Hebrews the second chapter... Verse 14 and 15, it says, For as much then, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him, past tense, that had the power of death, that is the devil. I got a newsflash for you this morning. The enemy ain't what he used to be. He is a has-been. Jesus' victory is is your victory. His triumph is your triumph. That's why he said he always causes us to triumph in him. And so in verse 15, it says this, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And so the fear of death is including a myriad of fears, fear of crowds, fear of flying, fear of taking a walk. It all comes back to dying. It's attached to the fear of death. And we must not be imprisoned by fear. Oh, when you seek the Lord, he will deliver you from all your fears. I said, when you seek the Lord... When you seek a good God and you spend time in a good God's presence, His goodness will saturate your life and it will remove fear completely out of your entire being. Amen. In Romans 8, 15, it says this, For you have not received the spirit of bondage. So bondage is attached to fear, again to fear. But here's what you and I have received. We've received this spirit of adoption 
And by the spirit of adoption, we're crying, Abba, Father. And that means Daddy, Daddy. Hallelujah. You know, if you're not afraid of dying, you can leave the house. If you're not afraid of dying, you can take a trip. If you're not afraid of dying, you can fly somewhere. And for heaven's sakes, before you fly, don't watch that thing on television, Why Planes Crash. I think I'll start a new one. Why planes make it from point A to point B? If you ain't afraid of death, you get in the car and go somewhere. You can eat something that perhaps you're not supposed to eat. Now, I'm not a dietitian. I'm a preacher. But sanctify it by the Word of God in prayer. So what I'm saying to you is this. The enemy loses leverage over your life and my life when we have no Fear of death. You have discovered that the death rate is 100%. How many are still alive that were born in the 1600s today? Nobody. And really, compared to heaven, this place is nothing. The great thing is this, is we know who we are and we know where we're going. You know, the Apostle Paul was in a dilemma. He knew that his race wasn't finished yet, but he had a desire to depart and to be with the Lord. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 through 24, and I'm going to take a swig of Dasani. For you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 through 24. Let's read it together. You go ahead and read. Ready, read. How much better? How much better? It's far better. Let's look at verse 24 and let's read it together. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So the Apostle Paul saying, you know what? It's better for you that I stay. It's better for me that I go. But the principle I want to share with you today is heaven is far better. It's far better. And... uh, How many of you have ever taken a trip that you really, really, really look forward to? You know, perhaps you were going to see some relatives in Oklahoma, or you were going to go to Hawaii, or you were going to go to Cancun, or maybe you were going to go to the Bahamas. Um, On the morning that you got up and ready to go, you didn't start crying and start moaning and moaning and groaning and complaining. Oh, it's, it's time to depart. It's time to go. No, you woke up with an expectancy. Hey, vacation starts today. It's time to go. Well, if we're that way in the natural, we ought to be looking forward to that great reunion in the sky when we see the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody shout amen. So the fear of loss then is another way of saying the Fear of death. Now, I don't 
want to get heavy with people or anything like that because I've said this myself and when someone goes on to be with the Lord, we ought to be gracious and we ought to be loving. Amen. And so one of the things that is said at a funeral or at a uh, reception after a funeral, someone dies and we say, well, I'm sorry for your loss. Well, that's okay, but what that implies is that they're gone forever. That implies then a loss that you can't get back. I want to share with you today, the death of a loved one is a sad thing because you will miss them on this side. But this side is not all there is to life. This side is merely preparation, oh glory, for the other side, the better side. The more glorious side. So the death of a loved one or a close friend is not an irrevocable loss. Our identity and all of our springs, if you will, must not be in our mate or our closest friends. All of our springs, all of our identity is in Him. As much as we love the people around us. Listen to this statement. Those loved ones, those relatives, those people whom you love dearly, they are not just in your past, but they are also in your future. Amen. So he says, yeah, but we didn't, we didn't get to do some of the things that we had planned on doing. Who said you're not? Don't you know that God's got something better for you? Than what you planned here on earth? So here's the situation, folks. They've relocated. We'll miss them. But oh, thank God. Say it with me. We're going to see them again. <coughs> well, when? Well, in God time, about 30 minutes. Now, I have not digressed from my subject. Look at your neighbor and say, who are you? If who I am is based on something that I can lose, it is on shanky, shaky ground. How many of you know we need an anchor? Look at Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Man, you guys listen so good. Hebrews, the sixth chapter. So we need something or someone that is going to anchor us. My identification must not be placed in people, in places, or things. In Hebrews 6.18 from the Amplified, it says, This was so that, by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God ever to prove false or deceive us, we have fled to him for refuge, might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast to the hope appointed for us and set before us. So there are some things that we confidently and favorably expect on this side, but there are some things that we are confidently expecting on the other side. Now in verse 19 it says this, Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It can't slip. It can't break down, no matter who steps on it. This is a hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence of God 
within the veil. Everyone say, I'm anchored. Anchored in Him. Now many people, many wonderful people, many good Christian people, living right, serving right, in church, you can count on them. Many, many Christians have been plagued with insecurity. Insecurity is not a gift. Insecurity is a label from your past. What I want you to know this is this, is your past is gone and should be forgotten. You are not who you used to be. You are now in Christ and Christ is in you. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. So some of these insecurities I want to talk about this morning. How do I look or how do I sound or where I live and what do I have and who do I know and how much money do I have and am I keeping up with the Hernandezes? Are the Hernandezes getting ahead of me? Uh, 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 Do the Mayorgas drive a nicer car than me? Well, they do, but that's all right. My identity isn't based on my 15-year-old Cadillac. Hallelujah. But these insecurities get a hold of people. That is because their value is based on the wrong thing. I'm really, really excited about this teaching. I'm believing that if there's anybody that has been labeled by the past and labeled by the world system as being insecure, you're going to have the eyes of your heart flooded with light. And you're going to find out who you are, what you have, and where you are in Christ Jesus. And you're going to be set free from some of those things that have hindered you in the past. Come on, somebody. I'm believing that you and I are going to see how precious we are to Him. And we really even haven't even touched redemption. You get into redemption... And you talk about the blood, and you hear things like Brenda's going to preach tonight on are you safe? You hear the word of God. I'm telling you what, this building will not be big enough to hold the joy and the running and the dancing and the shouting and the clapping when the truth of God dawns upon your spirit. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you're going to know something. You're going to, it's not, oh, glory to God. It's not what you have. It's not what you wear. It's who you know and whose you are. You're going to know something. And if you stay in it, it will not only set you free, but as you stay in this word, it will keep you free. Free. Free from all the hang-ups. Free from... Looking in the mirror and seeing a new wrinkle and say, oh, what am I going to do? No, thank God, continue to look into the perfect law of liberty and stay in the word. You're precious to him. Turn me quickly to Proverbs chapter 31. And so people have their identity based on things that are unsure. And I love Brenda's teaching tonight that are unsafe. Things that are always changing. And things that they will lose. If you're not prepared for the fact that you're going to lose some things in this life, you're in trouble. You will lose your identity. 
One of them is your looks. One of them is your beauty. Does this world not have their identity tied up in how they look? I mean, you look at some of the people in Hollywood and Los Angeles. I mean, I don't know how they fit into those skinny jeans. I don't know how they live on 200 calories a day. I don't know. And let me tell you something else. I don't want to know. I like about 3,200. I, you know, whatever. (laughs) Amen. So, the norm of society. Oh, she's pretty. But the question is, is how long are you going to be able to keep your looks? Your looks are changing every day. Now, I believe in doing the best with what we've got. Like Brother Hagin said, you know, if the barn needs painting, paint it. Brenda just said industrial strength. We know somebody that's got some industrial strength. We were talking about her the other day. Yes, we talk about people. Yes, we do. No, we love people. We were, we were, we weren't. It's not talking about, it's just making an observation. That's what Brenda says, you know, when her and a close friend of hers get together, I said, you guys better stop. And they said, ah, Mark, she says, we're just making an observation. That's a new one for you. The gift of observation. (laughs) But we were talking the other day. I said, I wonder what she would look like with all that industrial strength makeup off. I hope she doesn't hear the tape. Amen. But you are not going to look as good as you looked at 50 than you, as you were 18. And if you don't, does that mean you've lost your identity? You know, people have their identity in their strength. Your strength, believe me, it's not going to stay the same. You're not going to be running a marathon at 85 like you were at 18. And then people have their identification and they have their, their value based on possessions. I shared with the men yesterday and I said, you know what? I want prosperity for this place. I believe God's prospering me. I believe that I'll always have more than enough. But above all, I want prosperity for his kingdom and for his purpose in the earth. How about you? You know, if you seek first the kingdom of God, his way of being and doing right, all these other things are going to be added unto you. They will overtake you. You won't have a choice. People have their identity, you know, based in their possessions. The big house. uh, The nice car. um, The good ring. The the good jewelry. And I believe in all that. I think it's great to have those things. But we've got to ask our question. Who are we without the house? Who are we without the expensive car? Who are we without all the jewelry and the fine clothes? And then people also have their identification and get a lot of uh, uh, thrill out of their position. You know, even in the local church, it's easy to get to territorial. Did you know that? It happens at the church. What happens in the world can slip into the church. Well, this is my area. No, you're territorial. And God never called us to be independent of the church. He calls us to be interdependent. 
What does that mean? That means we are dependent on one another. Well, that's just not my area, Pastor Tom. You do it. No, if I'm free and if I'm available, I should be willing to help Pastor Tom. Well, we don't have any greeters today. Would you, would you greet and just smile real big and pass out a bulletin? That's not my area. See, position conscious. Many people get a lot of identification and tie it in to their position in the company, their position in the local church. But again, if our identity is based on anything that we can lose, how many of you know you can lose your position? It makes us vulnerable. If Jesus tarries when I'm about 120, I may retire from this church. And go on the mission field. <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm not kidding. I believe in living long and living strong. Now, I doubt very seriously whether I'd want to live to be 120. But the principle is this, my dear brothers and sisters. If Jesus told Brenda and I to leave this place soon and go on to the mission field, or to leave this place and go do something else, which I doubt very seriously we will, I cannot base my identity and my security on the fact that I'm a pastor. You know what? I am first and foremost a child of God. And I just love being in His presence. When I come into the presence of God, there's not a lot of trumpets sounding in heaven. It says, oh, here comes Bishop Thomas. Here comes the pastor of Heart of the Bay. No, all that stuff is stripped away. I'm just a big kid in the presence of God. And so we must not base our value and our worth on our position. And you don't do that anyway. Look at Proverbs 31, verse 30. Very interesting. This is talking about the virtuous woman. But I have seen the connection between men and women, and the principle is true. So let's first of all look at verse 30. It says, favor is deceitful, and you can keep that up there, and beauty is vain, but a woman that does what? Fears the Lord shall be praised. Let's read verse 30 together. Charm and grace are deceptive, and beauty is vain, because it is not lasting, but a woman who reverently and worshipfully fears the Lord. Another translation says, charm can be deceiving, and beauty fades away. Still another says, charm is deceptive, and beauty evaporates. Now, I'm all for lotions. I'm all for creams. Tuck it if it needs to be tucked. Lift it if it needs to be lift. Do what you got to do. (laughs) But don't do it. Trying to keep up with some unsaved Hollywood model. The truth of the matter is this, is our whole existence is like a flower that fades away. All flesh is as grass. So if you're afraid of losing something, 
your value is in the wrong place. Second Corinthians 4.16, let me quote it to you. It says, for which cause we faint not. Though the outward man, what's the outward man doing? The outward man is perishing, yet what's happening on the inside? Come on. Glory to God. What's happening on the inside of you? We're being renewed every other year. No, thank God, we're being renewed day by day. My confession is, is he's renewing our youth as a church just like the eagles. Amen? That we are going to finish strong as a church because our value is based on him. And what we can do, we do through Christ that strengthens us. And so what this is saying is that we should focus more on the inner man, which never fades, that is renewed day by day, than the outer man. How many of you know there is a beauty that does not fade? There are riches that you and I will never lose. Scripture talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. When your identity is in those things that you can't lose, friend, you are anchored. You won't be moved by wrinkles. You won't be moved by stocks going up or down. But you're moved only by Him. Hallelujah. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. And look with me at uh, verse 3. And I, I want to apply this scripture to men and women. Whose adorning, let it not be that of the outward adorning of the plating of hair. For a man it could be fine clothes, a nice car, or wearing of gold, or, or putting on of apparel. Verse 4, read that with me. It says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, <clears throat> which in the sight of God is of great Price, which is of tremendous value. Now, the CEV says it this way. It says, don't depend on things like fancy hairdos or gold jewelry or tickets to the 49ers or Raiders or box seats to the Giants or A's or the Sharks or gold or jewelry or expensive clothes that make, to make you look beautiful. Be beautiful in your heart. How? By being what? Well, the CEV, we're looking at the, uh, a different translation. Let me read it to you. But be beautiful in your heart by being gentle and quiet. This kind of beauty is going to last. And God considers it very special. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't have things. We just don't want to have things have us. But I want you to notice that verse 4 is the key. What's beautiful to God and what pleases God is a meek and a quiet and a humble spirit. And I'm talking about men and women. Men and women should be meek. Jesus said, blessed are the what? What will happen to the meek? They're going to inherit some things. A quiet spirit. How many of you know that there is presence in the quietness of Christ? 
There is solitude can be filled with God. Waiting on the Lord and having a contrite and a humble spirit is of great price. Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. He says, take my yoke and learn of me. I'm gentle, meek, and humble, and lowly in heart. How many of you know that being ugly and being demanding as a husband you're here to serve me, woman. This woman, which God gave me, would stand up and say, You better sit down, Mark. You're rocking the boat. No, a humble man will love his wife as Christ loves the church. A humble man will listen to his wife. A humble woman will respect her husband, will prize him greatly. You see, marriage is about submitting to one another in the reverential fear of God. So being ugly and, and, and arrogant and full of pride, I mean, it's just ugly. You ever been ugly before? Oh, man, I've been ugly before. I mean, really ugly. And, man, it's just not a good feeling. You know, when you lose your temper or you, you say something short to someone else or you, 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 know, you cut somebody off in a line and, because you're so important. You know, after all, I am the Mark Thomas. <laughs> being proud and being arrogant is of no value to him. Come on, somebody. And I've been in that boat. I've been proud, and I've been humble. And i just tell you what, you get a better night's sleep when you're humble. Somebody says, well, pastor, you deal with pride, don't you? Well, I never deal with pride. You just dealt with it right there. <laughs> Say, be humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God, and He's going to exalt you in due time. So, being humble, being meek, being quiet is precious in His eyes. Listen, and what He finds beautiful and what He finds precious will never, ever fade. It never fades. In closing, I want you to uh, look at a verse of Scripture that I want to teach to you just for a few moments before we have communion. Who are you? Say it with me. I am, I am a new creation, new creation. In, Christ. in Christ. Say this. I am, I am His workmanship, His, workmanship. His, handiwork, His handiwork, created in Christ. Declare this, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have right standing with my Father, just as if sin never existed before. You ready to say a couple more? I tell you, you know what's happening right now? Faith is just rising up. 
This this auditorium is getting filled and charged with the anointing and with the grace of God. Faith-filled words spoken out of a believing heart will charge the very atmosphere of your life and shall go before you and set a course for your life. So speak ye my word, believe ye my word, and surely I shall watch over it and it'll all come to pass in your life. Hallelujah. Say it with me. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. In him, I have been redeemed. I'm not trying to get something he's already got. For me. For me. Hallelujah. Woo, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. You're redeemed. You're redeemed from the curse of the law. <laughs> Man, you could get happy on that right there. So, are you ready for this last verse? Look at Romans. Now, I want you to notice this, first of all, from the King James Version. Has not God given us richly? Of his grace. Has he not lavishly abounded toward us with all of his attributes? With his grace, with his love, with his faith, with his kindness, with his joy. Oh, hallelujah. In Romans 11, verse 29, this is a very interesting verse of scripture. It says, For the gifts... And the callings of God, they are without repentance. Now, that's a little bit blind to us. And that's why we put the Amplified Version up. Let me read it to you from that. For God's gifts and His call on your life is irrevocable. He never withdraws them once they are given. And He does not change His mind about those things to whom he gives grace or to whom he sends his call. Another translation says, God doesn't take back the gifts that he's given or forget about the people he has chosen. The fact that they are irrevocable, irrevocable means you cannot lose them. What God has given you, you'll never, ever lose. They'll never diminish. Say it with me. Everything my Father gives me is forever. And so then, when my identity and your identity is in what He gave you and in what He made you, then your sense of identity is secure. Let's just think about a few of the things that he gave us before we receive communion. He gave us the gift of salvation. He made us his workmanship. He gave you and I the Holy Spirit who he said would abide with us. How long? Salvation, the gift of the Holy Ghost, is a forever gift. So we don't have any fear then of losing his gifts. He gave us a new name. He gave us citizenship in heaven. 
He's working on our place right now. He gave you a promise of a mansion. You can lose cars. You can lose money. You can lose houses. You can lose a mate. But at the end of the day, you will never lose what he gives. So what makes us worth something? What makes us worth something is the fact that he loved us. And that he paid for us. And that his riches are unsearchable. So I pray for you right now. Let these truths anchor your soul. Let the truth that has set you free be stood fast in. And may it keep you free. May you believe and rehearse and declare on a daily basis the fact of your redemption and who you are in Christ. Lord, we thank you that you shed your precious blood for precious people. And so we come today to the communion table acknowledging you and thanking you that you are Jehovah Rapha, our healer, and that you are Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness. We declare this morning that you are Jehovah Shalom, our peace. For you are the Prince of Peace. You are Jehovah Raha, the Lord. The Lord who is present. Jehovah Nisi, you're always there. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You are our shepherd who has given his life for the sheep. We acknowledge today, and I want us all to say this. I believe in my heart. And I say with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He has forgiven me of all iniquity. And he has healed me of every disease. I take my forgiveness. I take my healing. In Jesus' name. Pastor Tom, thank you.